What's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Ken O'K. Howard, and welcome to another episode of Trey Ball. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm glad he was able to come on to the show, uh, Mr. Eddie Gill. Uh, I'm on, I don't want to butcher it. I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself to the world and tell the people about yourself, Mr. Gill. I uh, appreciate you having me. It's a pleasure to be on and, and, and sharing a, a little bit uh, about what about me and kind of going through some of the topics that you want to touch on. But uh, just briefly, a little background is um, born, in New born in New Jersey, moved to Denver in grade school um, and went on to play college basketball at Weber State University, uh, chased the basketball all over the world, uh, literally played seven years in the NBA, uh, 12 years total professionally. Um, and then now I am in uh, wealth management uh, with Wise Financial and Northwestern Mutual. Um, also do some uh, broadcasting and, and working with the Pacers uh, in the pregame and postgame analysis. Also do a little bit of radio uh, when I travel with them, which is limited, but uh, but there is some travel there during their during their season. Obviously, we're in a different time now, so uh, everybody's home and trying to get geared up for the, the finish of this season, and um, we'll, we'll kind of see where that goes. Yeah, this is a very weird time, and but it's also kind of a little bit of exciting time in terms of basketball, because as we see, the basketball season is, is set to resume one month from now, actually, on, on July 30th in Orlando. The Indiana Pacers, which is a team that you cover, as you mentioned, is going down there. Um, there were some concerns, as we can go ahead and get straight into the topics, uh, of Malcolm Brogdon, who was one of the players who tested positive for the coronavirus, um, and he's... From what I've seen, he's on the fence of going down there, but he wants to go to down there with the team. Last time I checked, I guess they were supposed to report down there on July 1st, uh, but they're still like going through and figuring things out. And he's not the only player, as at least 5% of the NBA have tested positive for coronavirus, and it kind of grows a little bit. As it came out yesterday, DeAndre Jordan and Spencer Dinwiddie of the Nets both tested positive for the coronavirus, uh, but it's still a relatively low percentage compared to the entire NBA pool. Uh, Adam Silver has came out and said that if a significant spread of the virus was to take place during the uh, resume play, that the league will shut down. Uh, some of the players included with that have tested positive for coronavirus are Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, which would be a very crucial hit if he doesn't play, Buddy Hill and Jabari Parker of the Sacramento Kings and Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. So, Eddie, with all of this going on with uh, some players already tested positive for the coronavirus. How can how do you see this affecting some teams? As I mentioned, Malcolm Brogdon, starting point guard for Indiana Pacers. Um, he he's a very uh, important piece to the team and their play style. How do you see uh, the test and the coronavirus pandemic affecting players? Say if it were to take out some teams, especially during playoff contention. Yeah, I mean it could dramatically impact uh, the team's performance. Um, it, it's similar to an injury, right? So they're, they're treating it as, a, as an injury. So if, uh, if someone come, comes down with the coronavirus, they're going to be uh, isolated from the team and, and obviously can't, can't participate in practices and games and so on and so forth. So you, you view it in that respect as an injury as it pertains to NBA basketball teams. And uh, if you're out one year, you know, if you're without um, multiple players or, or one of your key players, it's definitely going to have a dramatic impact on on how you perform and, and what your, your ceiling may be. So I think the NBA has done a good job of, of tracking the, the entire pro the progress uh, or lack thereof of the coronavirus um, and, and also what they're trying to do to mitigate some risk for the teams. Um, you know, it's definitely going to be something that uh, they'll pay close attention to 
And again, if uh, guys on, on the team start to come come away with this this virus in, in dramatic numbers, we, we will be in danger of, of a shutdown, as Adam Silva suggested. Yeah, I think the NBA has been doing a great job, at least in like ministering how to come back and restart the league amongst these uh, amidst these times, I should say. Uh, I think with them going with the bubble situation in Orlando was a great idea because with them being in a such closed environment, say if like, as we see now, more players test positive, they're able to isolate it and stop the virus from spreading. And I think it's kind of a safe place for these players to go. We see some players like a Trevor Ariza or Avery Bradley or Wilson Chandler or David Batons at the Wizards all back out of the NBA resume play because whether they feel they are comfortable going back or they want to tend to family business. In Avery Bradley's case, he has a six-year-old son with a history of respiratory issues. So he doesn't want to go ahead and put him at risk by playing. So I think the NBA so far is doing a great job in ministers. What I think it would become more of an issue as let's say someone like a superhuman, like LeBron James catches it. How would that affect their play? Like the Lakers going to the playoffs and, has he been a main advocate for the season to continue to go on and to uh, push forward and resume play? How would, like, I'd say, like a big player to a LeBron James for the Lakers or James Harden to the Rockets, like, how do you see is, like, say, if they get tested positive, how would that affect their playoff chances and championship contention? Yeah, if, if one of those guys, and, and it, you know, goes down, and again, it's probably um, would apply to, to any of the teams. If you take one of their main pieces out of the equation, it's going to dramatically uh, affect what they do. Uh, a guy like LeBron, for example, um, they're one of the the finals favorites. If if he goes out on that team, those, those uh, odds probably going to decrease dramatically. So, um, just treating it like an injury uh, is the way I view it, uh, as far as how it pertains to to the NBA season and, and teams playing games. Um, if, if anyone uh, sustains an injury, sustains coronavirus, they're going to be uh, not able to play. They won't be with their team. Um, so in, in that case, their finals chances will, will definitely decrease. Um, and, and same thing, it goes right down the line for any team. Uh, you know, there's, there's guys in their starting lineup playing 35, 40 minutes a game. If, if that guy is not in the equation, it's going to be tough. Yeah, like the Avery Bradley to the Lakers, who was a crucial part to the Lakers' offense and defense, especially. Um, he has, like I said, he does not want to return with the team for the season restart, as I mentioned earlier, because of the six-year-old son's history with the respiratory issues. But he will be placed by uh, LeBron's favorite, one of his favorite teammates, I like to joke around and say, J.R. Smith. Um, how do you feel like this dynamic with J.R. Smith returning with LeBron James? I mean, the last time we seen them play with each other, the whole, you know, that's where the meme was birthplace of J.R. Smith confused the shot clock and the score, thinking that the Cavs had the lead, and maybe we'll get on him for that. How do you see uh, this new dynamic with J.R. Smith taking Avery Bradley's spot on the Lakers? How can that, uh, how would that affect the play of the Lakers going for a title? It's going to be interesting to see because, uh, first of all, J.R. Smith has been out of the league for, for some time now. Yes. Um, yeah. I believe he hadn't been in the league since uh, 2018. So he's missed, obviously, this entire season. Um, hasn't been on, on, on a roster. So uh, getting thrown back into the fire, uh, you know, especially in a playoff environment, um, this is an environment that we've never seen before, having to go down into the, um, the proverbial bubble down in Orlando. So there's a lot of new circumstances already for everyone, um, but it's even even more new for J.R. Smith 
because he hasn't been in the league. You wonder what his condition is going to be like. Um, NBA rhythm, all of those things um, really have some value in him, and he's been missing out on those. But um, in terms of their potential, you, you look back at their their history together, they definitely have some success together, uh, with the exception of that of that one particular play where J.R. Smith was, uh, you know, he, he wasn't uh, in tune to what was going on in the game, time, clock. Too game much situation. of that hand dog. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so clearly LeBron has forgiven him for, for that um, blunder. Um, you know, we all make some mistakes out there, and that was a, that was a crucial that was a crucial one at a crucial time. But um, you know, it happened. So um, anyway, I think aside from that, they definitely had a lot of success together. Uh, I think J.R. Smith, from from what he's done in the league, especially at that time, being able to knock down shots, uh, guard wings on the opposite end, uh, he definitely, um, if he can get back to that level of play. Uh, rapidly, he can definitely fill those shoes of Avery Bradley. And I think uh, Avery has done a great job for the Lakers throughout this season, but uh, J.R. Smith is more than capable of fulfilling uh, that role. Yeah, I think he'll be able to as well. Uh, J.R. Smith has improved as a defender uh, in his later years in his career. Uh, we, all, we all know J.R. Smith to be a typical volume shooter. You know, some nights he'll have one of the hottest nights you'll ever see. Some nights mm-hmm. he'll just be going on cold streaks. Uh, so I think he'll he'll do a great replacement for Avery Bradley. But where Avery Bradley uh, beats J.R. Smith, as I said earlier, he's a better defender. But J.R. Smith, he's a good defender in his own right. Um, with that being said, with the Lakers losing a player and Avery Bradley, but getting J.R. Smith, how do you feel their uh, title opportunity is going to be this this uh, upcoming season because many have said that it was either going to be them, the Clippers, or the Bucks. Do you still have the Lakers as a favorite, or do you have somebody else as a favorite to win the championship this year? I think you still got to put them as a as a favorite. For, from my personal standpoint, they got to be looked at as a favorite. Um, you got LeBron and, and Anthony Davis and those uh, those other guys around them. I think they've played well together throughout the season and demonstrated that they should be contenders. Um, Avery Bradley has filled that role uh, really well as a guy who can lock down on a defensive end and, and very capable offensively. Um, you know, the, the cohesiveness uh, without, without J.R. Smith is not there uh, as of right now because he hasn't been there throughout the season. But um, I think guys are, are smart enough, uh, high basketball IQs. He'll, he knows where he needs to be, uh, especially when you have a, a team that's led by LeBron James. Um, he's going to dominate the basketball for the majority of the time. And, and uh, really orchestrate that whole offense. Um, so I think J.R. Smith will eventually be able to to get in the rhythm uh, with that team j- just based on the fact that it's led by LeBron James. So you got the Lakers winning the championship still? I do. Yeah, if, I, if, you, if, you made me pick one, if you made me pick one, I would still have them as the favorite. Um, but having said that, uh, there's t- I wouldn't be surprised if, if they were knocked off by someone. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that they're head and shoulders above everyone, but if you made me pick a favorite, I, I called them as a favorite. I might disagree with you on that. I, I think the Clippers still got it. Given they yeah. haven't lost any players, um, mm-hmm. I still think that they have the depth. I still think they have the cohesiency, the the grit of that team just together. You got Big Y, as I call him, Kawhi Leonard, Paul yeah. George. Uh, you have Pat Bev. You have Montrez, Lou Will, all those boys. They also acquired Reggie Jackson, as we've seen before the season, was coming to a halt, and Marcus Morris, which is two good additions mm-hmm. for that team. And they also still have um, Landry Shaman, who was a great pickup that they get they got last season for a trade. I still think the Clippers are going to be able to win it. Maybe as is me hating on Laker Nation, as I argue with my friend all the time, but I just think they're going to win it. 
maybe the Bucks, but who's to say? Who's to say? Um, one thing uh, that kind of halted this NBA return, as we've seen in the past couple of weeks, that was uh, in discussion between the players and the NBPA and the NBA itself, was how were they going to be able to spread the message of the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on, as a lot of the players advocated for. And they kind of have come to a conclusion or a way to help support the message as the NBA had decided they'll be able to paint the Black Lives, Matter, uh, Black Lives Matter on the courts in all three arenas in Orlando for the games. And they will also allow players to put statements on the back of their jerseys instead of putting their last names. Um, talk to me, Eddie, what do you think or how do you feel about the importance of this and how the NBA is using their platform to still spread the message? Yeah, I think words can't describe the importance of of, uh, of getting ahead of this and, and trying to really make some real change and progress. Uh, I think the NBA has always done a good job, uh, especially here lately, um, of, of doing a good job of just being a voice for the unheard. Uh, I think the players have done a great job of, of being a voice for the unheard. I think um, the, the NBA has allowed the players really to – put their print on, on what happens out there in terms of you is, you know, Miami heat starting to come out with hoodies after the trademark Trayvon Martin situation um, after Eric Gardner and the I can't breathe. Everyone had the I can't breathe t-shirts. So just increasing the awareness is, is first and foremost. Um, but then after that, we got to have the action, you know, they're doing, a, they're doing a great job of allowing guys to, to collaborate, and, um, and really mobilize in, in a situation where they can really go out and, and affect some change by whether it's policies, whether it's um, education, um, which I think is probably the first and first thing that people need to do is just educate themselves on the history of this country. Yes. Um, and then it, once you've done that, you're able to really identify with uh, the black and brown community and, and what's been going on in it for, for a number of years. And then after that, now you can say, hey, this is what's going on now, how do we fix it? Um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. But the NBA has done a, a tremendous job of, of trying to continue to let those voices be heard. I think the NBA has always been that lead to kind of be uh, progressive and kind of help push the message. If you go back to when Adam Silver became commissioner of the league, one of his first uh, trials he had to deal with was the Donald Sterling situation with the Los Angeles Clippers. We all know how that went. And I think Adam Silver did a great job of handling the situation of banning uh, Donald Sterling from the NBA and that kind of set the precedence of like how you want the NBA to go forward and be. And as you said, as you stated, uh, the Miami Heat back in the whole Trayvon Martin situation in 2012, how they had the hoodies, the I can't breathe shirts that was going around with all the players. I think they always been that lead to kind of push and kind of be for black people and other minorities and kind of push for equality for all people. I think the NBA has done a great job. One thing, while we have seen it on like the top part of like an Adam, uh, uh, of Adam Silver, or those people, I see some people and some players call for like some of the owners to kind of take a step forward and push for these change. Because as you said, this is good and they're spreading the message, but some action needs to take place, some education needs to take place. And I've seen a lot of people calling for some owners because we have seen some owners be quiet. Michael Jordan, of course, being the only black owner in the NBA for the Charlotte Hornets has come out and said something on this issue, which he usually doesn't as people have criticized him for in the past. But we haven't seen too much or heard from too many other uh, owners talk about this. Now, to play kind of devil's advocate to that, do you feel, I'm going to answer your question at the same time, do you feel that like it's important for people to know, because I know there's some people that's, that's actually out there doing the work to push for the change, but they're not publicly posting it everywhere so you won't see. 
do you feel like some of these owners or do you know if some of these owners are actually putting in the work or do they have to kind of come out and say something and speak on these issues or do you feel like they can do the work in silence and still be for the cause what do you think yeah i think it's really important to be active uh first and foremost if you're gonna if you, if, if the owners or management they had to choose one or the other in, in terms of posting and being verbal or being act um you know really intentional in their actions and making a difference i'd say choose choose the latter make sure you're making a difference um although i do think there is some value in in voicing it and um in, in voicing your displeasure and, and the fact that things need to change because there are some people who are on the fence toting the line in terms of whether they want to do something to make a change uh, or not um, if, if they see leaders in the community uh, especially owners management of these professional teams, if they're out there voicing um, some of the actions that they're taking, then you definitely can get a stronger following from those people that are maybe toting the line and unsure of what they want to do or how they want to move. So uh, in, in showing that leadership, um, you can be vocal uh, with, with what you're doing. But um, I also believe, I always believe that leadership starts with action and then uh, the vocal piece comes second um, because you, you got to really, uh, behave and move and operate uh, as you're quote unquote telling people to move. Correct. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, as we've seen this season, like as we said earlier, it's been in a weird time as it is right now. And the season has come to a halt. And I think the last game was played on March what, 16th. Um, we've seen the last of a NBA legend, uh, Vince Carter. Uh, he played his last game on that day. Many were speculating. Was that going to be his last game? And, and since the NBA is restarting, the Hawks is no longer involved in resuming play. Vince Carter has officially come out and retired. Um, now, for me personally, being 21 years of age, Vince Carter probably played in the league long, not been alive. Uh, but I remember uh, watching Vince Carter growing up and seeing him play uh, and seeing all the crazy dunks from the dunk contest or in games that he has done or when he trans, like, transformed his game to become over a three-point shooter and play on championship contender teams like the Orlando Magic or the uh, Dallas Mavericks and to where he is now as the elder statesman of the NBA where he plays like the Kings, the Grizzlies, or the Vince, or uh, Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Eddie, as you mentioned, you have played in the NBA. Uh, go ahead and what are, your, some, what are some of your memories and what do you think about Vince Carter as he has now finished his 22-season career? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, kind of some, some mixed feelings and mixed emotions on it because uh, I, I am old enough to, to have uh, seen him play, you know, as I was growing up and in college. Uh, I can remember being in uh, on the road trip in college um, during that dunk contest. I think that's one of the greatest dunk contests there are. See, I think he's one of the greatest dunkers of the game, uh, in the history of the game, if not the best. Um, so I can remember being – you know, piled up in, 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 one, in a room, a hotel room with all my teammates watching that dunk contest <laughs> in college. And then, uh, ironically, I go to the NBA. I end up being a teammate of Vince Carter uh, with the New Jersey Nets before they moved mm -hmm. to Brooklyn. Um, so that was a, a special time, being a teammate of his, uh, being on the same floor with him, throwing him some of those lobs and him finishing some of those plays um, was a special moment for me. Um, so I, I was happy to see him have the career that he did have and being able to sustain and just – um, evolve as a player to, to stay relevant, um, both shooting the basketball, defending, and, and some of those things that he didn't do earlier on in his career when he was just uh, a better athlete than everyone out on the floor. So he was just mm -hmm. took advantage of that. 
Um, but he, he definitely evolved as a player um, and has some real sustainability, obviously, uh, playing for so long. Um, he, he's a guy who's, who's going to be missed, um, you know, in this game. And I, for a lot of people who, who are unable to finish out this year the way they'd like to because of, uh, you know, the coronavirus, um, kind of hate to, to see the way his career had to end uh, on, on those terms. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely on some weird terms that we have seen his career being ended. As I said, the season came mid-halt, and he actually played on that last night on the NBA when it, before it got suspended uh, indefinitely. Now, with you playing with Vince Carter, do you have any crazy stories or any crazy moments uh, from practice or in the locker room with Vince Carter while you was on that team? Um, I think just the consistency, like every day in practice, he did something that um, I'm pretty sure no one else can do. <laughs> um, and whether it was an acrobatic finish at the rim, um, a pass, he was an underrated passer. Um, the range that he had on his shot um, after practice, we would always have, uh, is always, this is in every, on in every NBA team that I ever played on. Uh, after practice, guys would stick around, get their shots, and then afterwards, um, whether it's horse or, um, you know, some sort of trick shot game, you know, mm -hmm. it's always something. And he always had something that was like, um, he didn't just make it one time, right? He was stuffed that these shots he was making on the regular. Um, so, um, so what'd you say? And, and, so, uh, say again? I was say, would you say he's the horse master of the team? Yeah, he was one of them for <laughs> sure. Yeah, he definitely he had all the trick shots or deep, deep range, uh, you know, long range shots. So um, some of those moments were, were always fun. And uh, he's just a fun guy to be around in terms of personality and a good teammate. And um, yeah, nothing but positive things to say about him. That's great to hear. Great to hear. Now let's take it back to our Indiana Pacers because I am an Indiana Pacers fan. Um, Paul George, a former Indiana Pacer, has, he went on the Knuckleheads podcast with Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson not too long ago and discussed how back in 2017, he had the best power forward at that time ready to come play in Indianapolis. But the Indianapolis papers, uh, Pacers front office said they didn't want to do it because they didn't have enough money. Uh, George said that once they didn't want to acquire a set player, they tried to offer a top 25 power forward and a player coming off an injury, and instead he wanted to get out of there. Who do you think Paul George was referring to at this time? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I've uh... – kind of rack my brain with it a little bit. Um, some people think Anthony Davis, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, really, I really have no clue. It'd be all sheer speculation. Um, and I don't have any intel to uh, factual information as to who he may be talking about either. So I'm not sure. I'm kind of with you. I kind of think it was Anthony Davis because if you look at the context of that season, so 2017, that was also the year that Marcus Cousin got hurt right before the All-Star game with an ACL injury. And he was asking for this trade before the All-Star game. So I'm thinking maybe it was Anthony Davis who wanted to come to Indianapolis. Uh, in, in terms of who else was like the best power forward at the time, I guess you could say probably a Blake Griffin before he got his max deal. Uh, maybe that was somebody they, they was probably looking at. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I don't know who else would be best power forward. In 2017, I know it wasn't Draymond Green. I know it wasn't him. Yeah. But he, he, was, he was dead set in Golden State at that time. So that was, that was a pretty interesting thing. Like, can you just imagine, like, just Paul George, Anthony Davis in Indianapolis? Because if you look at it, Indianapolis has never been a team to really pull in and bring, like, a big major player. 
And usually their best players come from drafts or they just be able to make the best of what they had. So that would have been pretty interesting to see. That's, uh, well, I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, another big man, as I mentioned earlier just now, uh, Boogie Cousins. There's a lot of rumors that came out and said that he wasn't interested in returning this season. But he told LA, LA Times that that was false, that he wants to play. Do you think there's a chance that we'll see DeMarcus Cousins in the NBA uniform for this resumed season coming up? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. He's coming off of two major injuries um, mm-hmm. in the last two or three years. Um, so obviously the, his health is, should probably be the first thing in terms of his body and, and how he feels, and, and only he knows that. Um, but I, I, did see, I did see that report saying that he, he would not play. But um, if he's healthy and, uh, and feels good about where he is from a physical standpoint, um, I think there, there may be a shot. But if he, if he has any hesitation in his mind, about where he is physically, especially after a long layoff, going to go play in some really uh, unfamiliar uh, environments down there in Orlando. Um, so that I could definitely understand some reservations in not playing. Um, but again, if, if, if he's done what, he, what he's needed to do over this last year to recover from a physical standpoint, um, there definitely may be a chance that we see him. Now, I think with Boogie Cousins, because he will be, and he currently is still a free agent this upcoming uh, summer, I think it would be wise for him to, I mean, it, it can go either way. I, I, I see where he can play and kind of add more value to his stock, because before his major uh, ACL injury, before the 2017 All-Star game, Marcus Cousins was on pace to receive a max contract deal but he got cut short of that because of his ACL injury and many teams that won him. Then he went to the Warriors and he was playing well. And then he got hurt again in the playoffs. So those two big, those two big injuries kind of hurt him and his chance to get max dollars. Now, if he was to come back and play in this resume season, uh, ready to be for a playoff team. I've seen some reports saying maybe he'll go to the Wizards, but they're sitting out of the East seed right now, at the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs. So I see that kind of be a waste of him to play or to go there. Um, maybe if we go to a more championship contending team. Like, I always advocated for him when he was free agent this past summer to go to Boston. I thought it would be a good fit for him to go there to be with Kimball Walker, and he wouldn't have to do as much because he would have all those players like a Jason Tatum or Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown. I thought it would be a good fit. I also wanted him to go to the Los Angeles Clippers because I just want them to have everybody, and I didn't want LeBron to have anybody. So I just I wanted him to go there, but I just picked up Joe. They can only play five of them. He only played. Only played five of them. <laughs> I wanted him to go there, but that didn't happen. So, I, if he was to come back, I was hoping that he would go to like a more a championship contending playoff team, so he can get that shine and increase his uh, his stock and become a more valuable player to get a bigger contract. But I can also see on the side where he chooses not to play to kind of reserve himself to get back to being fully one hundred percent because it's been it's been about a year since he had that last injury that he suffered last summer. Uh, while playing in Las Vegas. So I think it would be kind of good either way. But I wouldn't mind seeing Boogie Cousins in the NBA uniform this, uh, this upcoming season, whether it be for the Celtics or for the Los Angeles Clippers, maybe, hopefully. Uh, another thing I'll get into, something that's been uh, going around, uh, the New York Knicks, as we know how much of a abysmal team they have been these past couple of years, maybe since I've been alive and before then. Uh, they are looking for a head coaching they're looking for a head coach job right now. And Jason Kidd, who is an assistant coach for the Los Angeles Lakers right now, is set to interview for the Knicks. Now, there are rumors that there might be a link 
between Giannis Antetokounmpo, who will be a, either a free agent, I think next season, not this upcoming season, but next season, to sign with the Knicks because of him and Jay Kidd's close relationship that they built up in Milwaukee as Kidd was a coach there for four seasons. And Giannis has uh, come out publicly and praised Kidd for helping him become the player he is today. Do you think, let's say all this happened, let's say the, the Knicks hired Jason Kidd, do you think that would be enough to pull Giannis onto the Kumpo to the Milwaukee Bucks to go to the New York Knicks? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure. He, uh, the, I know the Knicks are starved for uh, a star player. Again, the last one they had was uh, probably Carmelo Anthony, who was on the back end of his career. Even though he's able to, he's still able to produce. We saw what he's done with Portland Trailblazers. But in terms of stardom, the Knicks haven't seen a guy like that um, in some time, and nor have they seen some real true success in, in, in some real time. Um, so they're, they're starving for a guy like that who can come in and change the culture and change the environment, and they can get back on their winning ways. Um, and everything that I've seen since Giannis has been in Milwaukee, it, he seems a guy that, like a guy that's happy there, that's content. Mm-hmm. Um, they take good care of him, obviously, as they should. Um, they, they put a really good team around him. Um, they the last couple of years obviously been contenders in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so um, he, I feel like uh, basketball wise, he's definitely in a, in a great situation uh, there in Milwaukee. Um, one of the things that could be a driving force is you know whatever that relationship may be with Jason Kidd, um, and then also just the market of New York City in terms of where what uh, Giannis if he has interest in, in really increasing his global brand, um, he probably could do that. Uh, a lot more in New York City than he could in Milwaukee. Um, but having said that, he, he doesn't seem to be a guy that uh, that is chasing that. Um, his ability on the floor has uh, increased his brand to a significant degree already. Yeah. Um, so um, without knowing their relationship, um, I would say that he seems to be pretty content and I, could, I, I don't really see him leaving Milwaukee. I don't see him leaving Milwaukee either. That's why when I saw it, I was like, this, this is not enough because if the Knicks couldn't pull Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant this last season, I don't think they'd be able to pull a Giannis Antetokounmpo because, as you stated, they are already at a, a great place right now. He's a MVP. He won MVP with the team last season. Right. set to win MVP this season. Uh, uh-huh. They aren't set to make it to the finals this year, being the most dominant team in the East. Um, they also have built a great team around him. But I, I can see because there's also been rumors of him possibly going to the Warriors and getting traded there next season. Um, the only reason I can see Giannis leaving the Milwaukee Bucks because he is that player, as you stated, who doesn't really care to like – he's not a big market guy. Like he wants to just play basketball. That's all he cares about is basketball. Mm-hmm. Only reason I can see Giannis Antetokounmpo really leaving is if, let's say, because if you look at it, they have grave Chris Milton in max contract. They signed Brooke Lopez, who's already in his 30s, to a, a – I think it was like a, what, three-year, $100-something million deal. They have all these contracts. Now, let's say they get to – let's say they make it to the finals or they get to the finals and they keep losing. And Giannis just can't make it and win that championship. I think that will be the only reason he'll be able to – he will want to leave because if the team and the ownership don't want to put anything else around him to help him become a champion, I think that at that point, that's when he will leave. Now, who's to say that maybe the Bucks, maybe they'll win the championship this year with the team they have because they have proven to be – a better team this year, which I actually thought they was going to be worse after losing Malcolm Brogdon, but they actually turned out to be a better team this year as they have gone on to win games even without Giannis being there. And when Giannis being there, they come to, or they proved to be the most dominant team. 
And we said they might win this year. They might not. They might not win next year. But if they don't win, I can see where it can be a catalyst for a young son to want to leave and say, hey, I'm in my prime right now. I don't waste my prime years here. Because we've seen it. with players done this before. Like, he's not, he wouldn't be done play that have done this before. He's, been, he's in his prime years. He don't want to waste it. He want to get a ring. Has KD done it? Uh, Kawhi, you know, we, not Kawhi, and he won a championship. But Kevin Durant is the most recent notable example with the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's in his prime years. The Oklahoma City Thunder will get there. They'll get to the finals, or they'll get to Western Conference finals multiple times, and they'll get just close, just close, but not close enough to win that championship. So that's the only time I can see that situation happening. Um, so let's go ahead and ask the questions I have. But I'm going to go ahead and freestyle and get some more, shoot some more questions at you. Um, you being a broadcaster, 40 and at Pacers, what is your outlook on the team as they prepare to go into this bubble and play this eight-game regular season and into the playoffs? How do you see this team going and faring in the resumed season? Yeah, I think they have a, a good opportunity, at, you know, prior to um, the, the shutdown. I thought they were playing well. Uh, Rick Oladipo was gaining his rhythm and, and continuity with the team. Um, obviously, he was he was a major piece to what they've done the last couple of years, and, and missed him early on in the, in the year. But um, Pacers uh, have a collective group that was able to hold the fort down. Um, I think that's one of their biggest advantages is uh, they have a, a a quality team, and that's just not the you know, one guy or two guys or the starting five. Um, oftentimes, their their bench did a great job of coming in, changing the pace up, and and creating an advantage for the team if they were were not on pace um, to 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 win the game um, and they were able to come in and do that so you know so they have you know 10 guys who are going are capable uh, of going in and making a difference in the game so I think that's their their biggest advantage what they, they do from a, a team standpoint um, you know hopefully they're able to, to regain that same chemistry pretty quickly and uh, and really make a run in the Eastern Conference I think and I hope so too and I think this um, Paul of the season kind of helped of Victor Oladipo, because as we've seen, as you said, he was coming back and getting in rhythm, but he still wasn't fully healthy as we as we've seen. I think his three month hiatus will cut with help and benefit of Victor Oladipo as he got more time to properly rehab his knee and become one hundred percent and become the Victor Oladipo that we've seen, who has aided the Pacers in the playoffs and throughout the season these past two seasons that he's been with Indiana. Um, with Malcolm Brogdon, as we stated earlier, uh, as he said, he has stated to come back. So that backcourt is always going to be interesting to me. They're both two uh, slashing, defending guards. Uh, both of them can shoot the ball. Uh, Victor Odebo is a good playmaker. Uh, one, t- one thing about the team, though, I hope they can, like, fix and work on. Because I always, just watching them play throughout the season, I was like, they need a great shot creator off the bench. I think they need a great shot creator off the bench. They lost Jeremy Lamb to season-ending injury, so he's gone. That showed backup shooting guard gone right there. I just always like, like kind of like a, a Lance Stevenson when they had him there, or Tyreek Evans when they had him there last season. I think I feel like they was missing that shot creator off the bench to kind of help and push them up. And as I, as I've seen, as I researched a little bit, and the Pacers is actually one of the lower team in terms of three point percentage in the entire NBA. And as we've seen this league become a more three point centric type style of play, um, Indiana is still they still found ways to win without using a three-point shot as their focal point of their offense. How do you, how do you feel how, – how do you think Indiana has done that, I should say? How do you think Indiana Pacers have been able to still be a, a prevalent team in the NBA without utilizing a three-point shot as much as everybody else has? 
Yeah, I think they've done a good job of, uh, of defending, first of all, first of all and, and creating offense in the floor, uh, in open floor. I think that's where they're, they're really good and, and really just about any NBA team with the ability these guys have, you're able to get stops and get out on the open floor that's going to increase your chances of getting easier opportunities uh, on the other end. Pacers have done a good job of that. And, um, you know, for me personally, I'm not someone who is so focused in on the three-point shot. I, I value – quality looks over three-point shots, right? So if, you get, if you're getting 50 quality three-point looks, I think you need to take all 50 of them, right? But, but if you're not able to manufacture those shots um, and you're getting better opportunities around the basket uh, or open mid-range jump shots or you have guys who are really good at shooting mid-range jump shots and pull-up shots, then allow those guys, those guys to take those shots. Um, so I, I'm not uh, – so the basketball has kind of gotten to this this wave of uh, either a layup or a three point shot. But spray and pray, uh, spray and pray. Yeah, yeah, but if you if you're shooting contested threes, then I think that's a bad shot. Um, mm-hmm. if you, but if you're doing a good job of getting in the, getting in the paint, collapsing the defense, kicking it out to open open three point shooters, I think that's a phenomenal shot. Um, so if you if you're able to continue to do that, then absolutely shoot as many threes as you can. But I don't really subscribe to just jacking up threes just for the sake of jacking threes because everybody else is doing it. Yeah, I think Coach Nate McMillan has done a great job of utilizing the players he has and maximizing their efforts. And like you said, not just making them shoot threes to shoot threes, but actually like utilizing the floor and getting like an open mid-range shot or a layup or doing an extra pass. I think he's done a great job with that. And there's been some rumors I've been seeing. It was like I saw like a couple of weeks ago of trade rumors for Miles Turner. Now, this was interesting to me because, and I know you watch the game because you obviously cover and you cover the team. It's been interesting because we have seen the rise of the Montes Sabonis, who is a recent, recently named All-Star, who plays a power forward. And there has been some, I feel like maybe there's been some contention of who's a better player between the Montes and Miles Turner. So there has been some trade rumors for Miles Turner, who actually just signed a contract extension before the season started which is kind of interesting to me. Do you think there is a trade possibility? There is a possibility we'll see Miles Turner get traded in this upcoming offseason uh, for the Indiana Pacers? Yeah, I won't speculate on whether – I think it's possible for anybody to get traded at any given time. That's the nature of the business. Right. Um, in, in terms of likelihood, I have no idea. I won't speculate on that. Uh, what I will say is I think that those two – demonstrated especially in the latter part of uh of this this season here prior to the shutdown that they're more than capable of playing together um, I think, I think yeah. that, was, that was one of the biggest uh, question marks kind of going into this season and a little bit last season they experimented with it a little bit last season but I think this year they they maybe Millen is elected to go to that uh lineup a, a lot more often a lot more often than than what they were doing and mm-hmm. um and really towards the, again, prior to the shutdown, I thought those two were playing well together and starting to figure out how they can be effective at the same time. Yeah, I think that's something definitely that they worked on this past offseason because I remember last season watching them play, especially like kind of towards the beginning of the season, there would be moments, especially in crunch times, where Miles Turner would be on the bench and they have some bonus in at the five. And I think mm-hmm. it took some time for them to, to get to be able to play with each other because they kind of both have a – Similar play style. Miles Turner is a little bit different as he's more defender and he can kind of space the floor out a little bit more than it's a bonus, but he kind of playing at paint mid range area. So it was kind of a, it kind of, they kind of like, I wouldn't say negative, like negative each other, 
the out, but they kind of have some of the play styles. And as you said, they, they took some time and they were able to adjust and play with each other. So now they are able to still, they find ways to win with each other on the floor. But I just think it'd be, it'd be an interesting thing to see if maybe if Miles Turner's there, I like him personally. Like I say, he's a great defender. He's able to space the floor out, shoot the three every now and then. So, mm-hmm. and he got some great athleticism. We have seen he is dunked on some players. I think it was uh, Jonathan Isaac had a posterizing dunk last mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a pretty cool dunk to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, any closing thoughts, Eddie, before we close out the show here? No, I think you got a good thing going. I appreciate you having me on. Um, it's always a pleasure. I think, uh, you know, this is this is a good opportunity for you to kind of have your platform, your voice, and bring some good guests on and uh, continue to go on. Like I said, I appreciate you having me on and looking forward to this NBA season getting back rolling. And hopefully uh, coronavirus gives us a break um, and, and people start to respect it and or continue to respect it, I should say. And, um, yeah, we're able to try to knock it down and, and try to get back to whatever new normal we will have. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, Eddie, for coming on to the show. And thank you all for listening and watching the Trey Ball today. I uh, appreciate y'all for tuning in and tuning into the next episode. And, Eddie, I look forward to seeing you soon. Hopefully, when the next season starts, I'll be able to see you at the pace of tunnels. All right, man? Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. All righty. Thank you, guys. Peace out. Take care. Yep.